الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ما بعد فعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ومن آياته أن خلق أن خلق لكم من أنفسكم أزواجا لتسكنوا إليها وجعل بينكم مودة ورحمة إن في ذلك لآيات لقوم يتفكرون صدق الله العلي العظيم my dear respected most honorable elders beloved brothers and sisters in Islam assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh first of all we begin by thanking allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by glorifying and praising allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for granting us this opportunity to congregate in his house to worship him to glorify him to send salutations upon his messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam to thank him and glorify him for all the bounties and the blessings that he has blessed us with and we pray that Allah Azza wa Jal will continue to facilitate such opportunities for us in the future. Uh, it's lovely seeing uh, some of our elders here who um, over the past couple of weeks have, uh, have been unwell. And we pray uh, for the recovery and the well-being of, uh, of all of our uh, brothers and sisters who are suffering, especially on this day of Friday. Or, or Friday. Um, it's, a, it's a day of, of joy, it's a day of rahmah, it's a day of, of blessing And it's imperative that we understand the importance of uh, worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his favours on this day specifically May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continue to grant us uh, his uh, innumerate favours <coughs> Excuse me, a couple of weeks ago um, if you remember, I spoke about the obligation of marriage in Islam, the importance of marriage in Islam, and we discussed a part of the sanctity of marriage and how important it is for us to get married and get married for the right reasons, especially in the day and age that we live in. And I mentioned that I will soon talk about the most important step beyond that, that once you get married, you know, sometimes, nowadays it's difficult getting married. But for those individuals for whom it's easy to get married, it's difficult to maintain that marriage. It's difficult to um, stay in that marriage and uh, ensure that that relationship uh, is a relationship that you can be proud of. It's a relationship and a bond that strengthens your connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the noble sunnah of his messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So this is what I want to discuss today, uh, the sanctity and the status of marriage which is so great in Islam and how important it is for that relationship to be nurtured. You know, just like a, a flower or, or uh, you, if you're growing something in the garden or you're growing something in a field and you plant a seed, you need to take care of it. You, don't, you just don't plant that seed and then you go away and never look at it again. And suddenly the next day you come back and it sprouts into this beautiful flower. Or this beautiful tree that provides you with, with, with luscious fruits. No, you have to take care of that. You have to plow that land if you're a farmer and you planted your seeds. You need to ensure that you then take care of that land. Ensuring that um, uh, the, the various weeds and everything else that's needed, the water, everything, is your duty to nurture it in exactly the same way. You need to think of this relationship that you have and this relationship that you've entered 
as, as, as one that needs nurturing. It needs your uh, input. It needs your love, your care, your compassion in Islam. This is the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us the uh, outright in the Quran, the reason why we get married and the purpose, what, what, what it's supposed to grant our life, what it's supposed to give to our existence. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in chapter 30 verse 21 says بَعْدِ عَوْذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَنْ خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ أَزْوَاجًا And from his signs is that he created for you from yourselves spouses, azwaja. So your spouses are created from yourselves. So they're not unlike you. They have the same hopes, dreams, desires, fears that you have. Why? What's the purpose for them being created for you? لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا So that you may find tranquility within them. وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ مَوَدَّةً وَرْحْمَةً And he made between you affection and mercy. إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتٍ لِقَوْمِ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ And in these, indeed in these are signs for the people who reflect and for the people who ponder. So that's essentially the purpose of marriage. That's what you're supposed to be getting out of your marriage. It's supposed to be a tranquil environment. It's supposed to be a, 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 a relationship wherein you find tranquility, where there's love and affection between the spouse. Now you may look at that um, verse of the Quran and you may compare it to the relationship that you have or the relationship that is uh, of, of marriage and the way marriage is perceived today. And it seems... Uh, you know, so far beyond uh, what Islam encourages a marriage to be like. You know, it's almost as if when people getting married and we're already saying, oh, well, that's the end of life for him. But we're not, we're not thinking about the reasons or we're not reflecting on or we're not pondering on the reasons why we're supposed to get married in the first place. The first thing that we have to understand is when we look at this verse of the Quran is that we have to understand that men and women are equal in the sight of the Almighty. Equal, and they are judged in terms of their deeds. They're not judged uh, according to their gender. They are the same species, like I said, with the same fears, the same hopes, the same desires. And of course, structurally we're different, with sometimes having differing roles to play, different statuses uh, at certain times, during our lives, but innately, we're the same people. So Islam constitutes that relationship of complementarianism. That is supposed to be a complementary relationship. You both have to bring something to the, to the table. It's not as if one individual does all the work, you know, in that marriage, and the other person just, you know, sits in, on his or her behind and just reaps the rewards uh, of, of the other person putting in all the work. The second thing that we have to understand is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us quite clearly and quite explicitly that the purpose of you getting married, the, the actual fruit of your marriage is so that you may find tranquility within them and he placed between you affection and mercy. And this is the secret to a successful marriage in Islam. 
to understand the relationship and to appreciate your differences and to appreciate your similarities. Marriage is supposed to cause you tranquility. It's supposed to bring you tranquility. However, this is clearly not how it's being promoted today. What do people say when, people, when someone's getting married? What's the jokes when people get married? Don't get married. It's the end of life. <laughs> Don't get married. Your life, oh, he's got married. Oh, his life is officially over. It's over. It's finished. It's made out to be the opposite of what it actually is. It's supposed to grant you tranquility. It's supposed to give you love and affection. It's supposed to grant you that which you've been missing in your life, which you can't get from your other circles. See, that relationship is so different to any other relationship that you previously experienced. In however many years you've been on this earth, you have your motherly relationship, your, your relationship with your mother, which is so vastly different. Your relationship with your father, which is so vastly different. Your relationship with your siblings, your friends, everybody else. And then you enter into a marriage and you realize that that relationship is so much different. And the effort that you need to put in. And you know what? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, insan, man is only going to get that which he struggles for, which he puts the effort in for. You see, the more effort you put in, the, re the more rewards you're going to reap. You reap what you sow. If you put in less effort, little effort, then you're not going to have anything to show for it at the end. It's like when you take an exam at school, at university, or you're doing a, a, a work at home, or you're working in any environment. If you put little effort in, you're not going to get the results that you desire. The more effort that you put in, the more you try hard to make it successful, to make it work, the more uh, you'll see the results. So this is the way it's being perceived today, that marriage is supposed to be the end of all life. You know, a person gets married and we say, well, I'm not going to see that person again. He's gone, he's finished. His life is officially over. Whereas it's, it's supposed to be seen as the opposite. The Prophet ﷺ, when he encouraged the young people to get married, he encouraged them so that they can find tranquility uh, in their lives, so that li their lives can be tranquil. They'll find that affection, that mawadda wa rahma. Another verse of the Quran, and <clears throat> the one thing that's consistent when it comes to marriage and hasn't changed is the fact that the husband and the wife are each other's support. They're each other's pillar of support. That's why that relationship is so special. They are your garments and you're their garments. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, describing this beautiful relationship. What do your garments, what do your clothes do? Your clothes, they keep you warm at night. Right? They comfort you. They protect your chastity. They protect your morality, your modesty. They provide you with what you need. And that's what you and your, your spouse, your husband, your wife are supposed to be for each other. And what does the Quran, you know, the, the, uh, what does the Quran say about the best libas, the best type of clothing in chapter uh, 7 verse 26 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says khair. The best libas, the best garment that you can have is, is the one of righteousness Of taqwa 
And this is essentially what's supposed to form the foundational principle when it comes to our marriage. Righteousness, taqwa. That we're going to be, this, this, what am I going to get out of this relationship? The only way that you're going to find tranquility, the only way that you're going to experience mawaddatan wa rahma, affection and mercy, is if you ensure that it's rooted in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You see, even when you get married, you're still supposed to have in your mind that I'm getting married and this relationship is going to draw me closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa If that's not there, if that thinking, that mentality isn't there, then something's wrong. Then you're getting married for the wrong reasons. See, you need to, under, you need to appreciate that. And this is what the wives of the Prophet وسلم, were for him. And I'm going to give you a few examples. Sayyidah Khadija binti Khuwailid radiallahu ta'ala anha. A beautiful, amazing woman. One of the most, according to the Prophet وسلم, one of the foremost women in Islam. Not only in Islam, in humanity. That's what kind of an amazing woman she was. 40 years old she was when she married the Prophet ﷺ, having been married before and had children. A successful business owner. A woman of morality. A woman who protected her own chastity. Married the Prophet ﷺ when he was 25 years old. And the Prophet ﷺ, if you read or learn about the relationship that the Prophet ﷺ had, with Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha, it's absolutely amazing. He sought solace in her, she sought solace in him. He was her garment, she was his garment. He protected her, she protected him. To such an extent that the Prophet sallallahu himself states that she, he used to remember her so fondly and he would say even after she had passed away, that she believed in me when nobody else did. She protected me when all everybody else forsook me. Everybody else left me. They didn't want to have anything to do with me. She protected me. She helped me. She assisted me. And it's a beautiful thing. You know, nowadays, you know, we... we we think of ourselves as men, I'm, t- I'm talking about men specifically as this you know, macho men, this machismo that we have. We don't want to seek solace in our wives. We don't want to seek uh, protection in our wives, in our spouses. This is, this is the men of all men. This is the leader of all men, the Prophet And the Prophet even sought advice and solace and he uh, sought protection and support in his wife and she granted that she was that pillar pillar of support for the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam came down from the cave awed by this revelation that he had received and he comes into his home and he says to his wife zammiluni zammiluni cover me cover me what did say the khadija do she covered him and she supported him she says to him when he explains to her what has just happened to him, what, what he's just received, what he's just seen, 
She doesn't ridicule him. It would have been easy to say, oh, what are you on? You clearly, you're going mad. This is the talk of a madman. She didn't belittle his feelings and emotions. She supported him. What did she say? She says, Allah will never forsake you. You take care of the weak. You protect the needy. You take care of the needy. You protect the weak. You take care of the guests. Allah will never forsake you. There has to be something good in this. Constantly supporting him, encouraging the Prophet ﷺ, assisting him in his mission. And that's a perfect epitome of what a spouse is supposed to be. The Prophet ﷺ, the perfect example of what a spouse should be. Perfect example for, male, for men and women. And that's where, that's where you'll find when you have that kind of a relationship. That's when you'll find لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ مَوَدَّةً وَرَحْمَةً You'll find that tranquility and you'll find that peace and that satisfaction, that affection and mercy that each and every individual craves. She stood by him like a rock. And this kindness and this mercy was reciprocated. That the Prophet ﷺ, even when she passed away, <clears throat> the Prophet ﷺ would remember her so fondly. And he would send gifts to her friends. He would sacrifice an animal in his home and he would, he would uh, distribute that meat to members of his family, to members of his congregation. And then he would give it to someone to go and distribute among the friends of Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. Always remembering her to such an extent that say the Aisha, another wife of the Prophet sallallahu who the Prophet ﷺ had this beautiful relationship with, she says herself, and this is a hadith in Bukhari, that I did not feel jealous of any of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ as much as I did of Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. Even though I did not see her. And she was married to the Prophet ﷺ before I got married to him. And I did not see Khadija, but I was not jealous of any other woman except Khadija. When the Prophet ﷺ would talk about her, he would mention her often. And whenever he slaughtered her sheep, he would cut its parts and send them to the friends uh, of Khadija. And when I sometimes said to him that, you know, you talk, and she would talk to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and she would say, you talk about Khadija as if there's no other woman on this planet, on this earth, except Khadija. Always Khadija, Khadija, and what she's done for you. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he would say that Khadija was such and such. And then he would go on praising her. And he would say, from her, I had children. From her, I had support. That she helped me, she supported me. In another, another narration, when she says, I never felt so jealous of any woman as I felt, felt, as I felt of Khadija, she said, by Allah, uh, indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered him, i.e. the Prophet wasallam, to grant Khadija the glad tidings of a palace in Jannah for her for her role in this, uh, uh, in this life of the Prophet ﷺ. Why did she attain such a status? Because she epitomized that relationship, that, that verse of tranquility, of, of compassion, of mercy. And the Prophet ﷺ reciprocated and he treated her in the best possible way. He appreciated her support for him. He understood uh, 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 what he needed to put into that relationship and what she put into that relationship. And when Aisha, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, in her own words, she would say that I would annoy 
the Prophet ﷺ, by asking about why he remembered her so much. You've got, you've got wives who are younger than Khadija. You've got wives uh, who, who, who will support you better than Khadija. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Inni qad uh, That her love was, was nurtured, it was placed in my heart. Which meant that her love was placed in my heart by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it's no, not so easily removed. This is the Prophet sallallahu the man of all men, expressing his love for his wife. And not only expressing his love for his wife, showing it, exhibiting it through his own actions, through his own deeds. This is why the Prophet sallallahu in a hadith uh, related to us by Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik, reported by Imam Muslim in his Sahih, he states that this world is just of temporary conveniences. That's all this world is. This world is just a, a mere illusion. The Prophet ﷺ told us this world is just of temporary conveniences. But the best comfort in this world is a righteous woman. That's the best comfort in this world. And how true is that? You know, those individuals, and I hope that you are from among them all, right? You all are from among those individuals who have who are blessed with a righteous marriage. See, when you see those people, they just seem so much more happier. They've got a spring in their step. And when you're in a marriage which has problems, uh, it, it, where you're constantly at loggerheads with one another, it ages that individual so quickly. Because it, it, it affects the, the mind, it affects the spirit. It dampens the spirit of that person. Or both the husband and the wife, where you see that there are problems uh, uh, which are uh, irreconcilable. So it's imperative that we understand how important it is for us to be happy when we're married, to us to find that tranquility within marriage, to us to find that mawaddatan wa rahmah. Because being in the opposite of that relationship, being in a, in a toxic relationship, it takes the joy and the comfort out of everything. Does it not? When, when, a, when a person is, uh, is, uh, uh, has had an argument with his or her spouse, right? When you've had an argument with your spouse, you know, it's just, you know, even the food doesn't taste as good. She makes sure it doesn't taste good for you. <laughs> for the wife, it's exactly the same. You know, nothing, nothing feels right. When, you, when, you, when, you're, when, you're not, when you're at loggerheads with one another, it causes problems for you, you uh, in terms of your, your mentality, in, t in terms of your mental um, uh, workup, the way you think, the way you perceive that relationship to be. That toxic relationship, it takes a, the joy out of everything, the comfort out of everything. So that's why it's imperative that we nurture it like a plant, like a seed that requires water, that requires care and attention, we have to ensure that we provide it. And before I, um, I leave, we've got a couple of minutes left and there are, a few things, there, there are more than a few things that I wanted to mention. The most important thing when it comes to maintaining that rela relationship and nurturing that relationship, uh, something that I feel that we, we are experiencing more, more often nowadays is conflict resolution. How to resolve conflict. Because... In a marriage, don't think for one moment that there's never going to be arguments. For those of, for the brothers who aren't married, just look at the brothers who are married. Each and every one of them will say to you that I have argued with my wife. If they haven't, 
You know, Allah bless them. I don't know where, how they've made that work. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to accuse them of lying. Um, perhaps, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's something that we need to learn from. Because even the Prophet ﷺ and his wife argued. The Prophet ﷺ had disagreements with his wife, his wives. And they had disagreements with him. But nevertheless, that affection never, that love never dissipated. It wasn't so fickle that it just, you know, at the first sign of trouble, it, you know, the love is completely gone out of the relationship. No, you're going to have arguments. You're going to have disagreements. But it's about how you resolve those disputes. You know, 1400 years ago, it was different. The relationships were different. The conflict resolution 1400 years ago was different. 100 years ago, it was different. 20 years ago it was different. Today it's different. We need to find different ways to resolve that conflict. You see, the way you raise your children, the way you were raised perhaps, back in the 80s, back in the 70s, the 60s, the 50s, is different to the way you would raise your children today or your children are raising your grandchildren today. In exactly the same way that relationship evolves too and you have to evolve along with that relationship. Because this is a, uh, a solemn pledge, a covenant that you have taken with Allah. Allah Azza wa Jal describes it in the Quran as mithaqan ghalidha. A solemn pledge, a solemn covenant. And something which is so solemn, something so, that is so strong, the bond that is so strong, it shouldn't be, it, it shouldn't be undone by mere shortcomings and flaws. You know, by something small and trivial. Because nowadays, believe you me, as an imam, I've come across, you know, uh, it's, it's absolutely true, that statistic, that it's more common nowadays for people to get divorced than it is for people to get married. Divorce rates are higher than marriage rates in this country that we live in. More and more people are getting divorced, less and less people are getting married to begin with. And there's a, there's a reason for that. Because there's a flaw in our understanding, in our perception of what marriage is. Because at the first sign of trouble, we buckle. We buckle, we leave. We don't know how to resolve conflict. We don't know how to deal with conflict. The Prophet ﷺ made it explicitly clear, the best of you are the best, uh, uh, the best of you are those who are, who are the best towards their family. Those who are the best towards their wives. They're the best from among you. Because it shows character. You see, you know me and my public persona. You know who I am. I know who you are and your public persona. But this public persona of mine and this public persona of yours, it can be an act, can't it? I might be a terrible person. You might be a terrible person. But you and I will never know it from having this public relationship that we have. If you want to really know what I'm like, and I really want to know what you're like, then, you know, I'd have to ask your wife, and you can ask my wife, I'm sure it'd be different um, to the way others perceive me. Why? Because that relationship is so personal, it's so private, that, and you share so much, that you, nobody knows you better than your spouse. Nobody knows you better than your spouse. And I'm sure, you know, uh, what... what may be perceived about you in public is not what, uh, what is the reality according to your spouse. That goes the, sa the same for the, for the wife. So it's imperative that we understand that. We appreciate that. 
We express our emotions better. There's a few things that we can do to ensure that that spark remains alive. That at the first sign of trouble that we don't buckle and we don't leave. It's never, it's never right to, to use abusive language and, and, and to verbally or physically assault your spouse. The Prophet ﷺ never raised his hand on anyone. He never used profane language. Communication is key. Talk to one another. You'll argue, you'll disagree, but that doesn't mean that your love should diminish in any way. When the Prophet ﷺ disagreed with his wives, you know, he, they didn't fall out of love with each other and leave on those bad terms. They found ways. They found different ways. When it, whenever you have a disagreement, find a way to, to, to resolve it. Find a solution. Make time for each other. Take care. Nurture that relationship. Exchange gifts. Smiles. Take care of the general well-being of each other. Manners maketh man. Ensure that you, you, you have manners and you're respectful towards each other. Be respectful even in, in disagreement or dispute. One of the major things that causes problems, and I've had to deal with a lot of, of, of people who, who get divorced, and you know, I, I, I talk to people, and I'll leave you with this, I think. Uh, each and every time when, I, uh, when, when people who have taken that step and, and, and the man has, has given a divorce to his wife, and then he's regretted it. And then they want to find a way that they can come back together again. And they always say, Imam Sahib, Shaykh, you know, uh, I was angry. You know? So find a way that you know, I can resolve this now and go back to my wife and take back the words that I said because I was angry. And I said, I always say to that person, you know, nobody gives a divorce in, in the state of happiness, in the state of joy. You're always going to be angry when you give a divorce. So control your emotions better. Control your anger. You know, it's your, it's your enemy anger is. Anger is from shaitan. And, I'll, and I, I, there's, a, there's a hadith, and uh, I'll leave you with that, and it'll just t t tell you the importance of ma maintaining that relationship and how, how imperative that it is that you, you nurture that relationship. You know, shaitan, every evening, he gathers all of his imps his, his, his little shayateen together, Iblis does, who he sent out, everyone, all of them created, who he sent out to destroy people's lives, to, to take them away from the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he takes a record and he says, what have you done today? What have you done to the person that you're overseeing? Because each individual has a devil who's attached to them, trying to draw them away uh, and uh, away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and towards su, towards evil and immorality. So what have you done to misguide your person today? And this person will say, I've done this and I've made him do that. I've made him miss his, his or her prayers. I've made them get angry. You've done well, you've done well. But then one of them will say, he'll say, what have you done today? And he will say that I've made uh, a husband and wife have a disagreement, have a dispute. And I've made, the, I've, I've drawn them apart from each other. And he will say, you... You deserve a reward. You've done what's well. And he praises that person. Out of all the deeds and of all the actions, you who has brought a dispute between a husband and a wife, you who, who has done well. So even the shaitan is proud of, of bringing two people apart. And it's imperative that we understand 
how uh, important it is to, for us to nurture this relationship, to sanctify it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me and you tawfiq and the ability to uh, act upon the teachings of the Quran, the noble sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa to learn uh, from his life um, in every aspect of our own lives. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.